my honor this morning, privilege to introduce our speaker today, uh, Bishop J.E. Brisson. When this world is going to pot, when you find how Congress and our governmental leaders are letting all kind of morals and everything creep in, I'm glad I know that I have a pastor like Pastor Ron and his father, Bishop J. Brisson. You know, when you have the title of bishop, that means a whole lot. And personally, I feel like he fulfills every obligation and every requirement of the character of bishop. So this time I introduce to you Bishop J. Brisson. Thank you. Aren't you kind? God bless you. It's a, thank you, Ronnie. It's a very, very happy privilege of mine to be here and fill this slot today. I have uh, done it more times than I can remember. Sometime back, I was invited to fill in for a pastor in uh, just east of here. I won't call the name of the town or the place. But um, he asked me if I would come and fill in for him one Sunday while he was away. And I said, well, I think I can do that. I'll, I'll do that for you. He said, well, if you'd come and preach for me, I sure would appreciate it. But he said, now don't preach good because when I get back, I don't want the people giving me a hard time. I thought... Well, there's one thing about our pastor. He doesn't have to worry about anybody preaching good or can you say amen to that? Amen. Great man of God. We're proud of our son. So proud of him. But I thought of something that happened down in on the East Mississippi. I was serving as overseer of Mississippi and Louisiana and uh, was invited to uh, preach in one of our churches down there right on the coast. And strange things happen. When a pastor's away, I don't know what causes it. I, I don't know exactly how all this works, but strange things happen when a pastor's away. So it was a Sunday morning. It was a big crowd. The church was full. J.E. Brisson's going to be here. And, oh, boy, they boosted that thing up. And I walked in the church and visited with the people and walked to the pulpit when the minister called me up to fill the slot. And the pastor stood right beside me put his arm around my shoulder. And he introduced me to the group. And then he said, now, I'm going to ask Deacon, and he called his name, he was sitting right back here in the back in that church. I'm going to call on him to pray for Brother Brisson and the message this morning. Brother so-and-so, would you pray? Truth, truth. Got quiet in there. Pastors away, it gets quiet sometimes. He said, uh, 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 Lord, bless your name. Lord, my God, I can't even pray. And he walked out the door. <laughs> Now, that's kind of funny. It, it's kind of funny, but uh, that wasn't Ronnie Rose. <laughs> One of our deacons here, Ronnie, sure wouldn't have done that. 
but it's a privilege to know the Lord and to serve him. Are you glad you're a Christian? Yes. Amen. I've chosen for a subject this morning, the anchor. And I hope there was something in the uh, singing that gave that away. But I want to talk to you just a little bit today about an anchor. I want us to look at it on both sides. Some of you will remember that right back here in this left-hand corner a few months ago, it's been now, the television, television station set up a little interview there, and they wanted some of us to talk to them. And for some reason, they called for J.E. and Lynette Brisson. They wanted to talk to us about our long-term marriage. We'd been married at that time 61, 61 years, I think it was. It was the night the church was honoring uh, the marriage. And um, he said to me, as the interview started, he said, uh, I want you to tell me how you did this. How you did this. First question, right out of the barrel. How did you do it? Isn't that kind of strange? Kind of strange indeed that someone would have to ask you, how did you do it? Now, I'll admit that 62 years with one woman is a load to carry, and uh, but a happy load to carry. And I'll also admit that to be in your 80s and still going with the one you married 62 years ago is quite a thing. But to have to explain that. Now, I've noticed several things about getting older, and that is you get stranger questions. <laughs> I don't know why that is. I don't know. I don't understand the ramifications of that. But I, here, here are the kinds of questions that I get now, and I'll let Lynette answer for herself. She, they may not even ask her any. <laughs> but uh, they'll say things like this. Man, are there any secrets to that? What are the secrets? Can't you tell me, uh, give me some insight, give me some pointers that I can know and understand a little bit about how to do that? And most of the time, and I think most of us would probably do it this way, most of the time uh, you'd probably just on the average pass it along and say, well... You know how it is these days, and, and just smile and go on. Or you might respond like this. You might say, well, it's been tough, but we made it, and we're still together. But after that interview, I have not said one thing to one person about this, but it's kind of like, Mary, I pondered it in my heart. I thought about it. Is that right? Is it right? Is it honor? Is it doing justice to God? Is it what God would have anybody to do would be to say, well, you know, how it is and things like that. Is it, would that be the right thing to do? So I started doing some study mentally. I, once in a while I can kick the old thing in gear again. But I started doing some thinking about how should you respond? How should I respond? How should I look at another person and explain to them the bounty and the beauty of God? 
I want to tell you, friends, God has been good to this man. Now you look me over. Born in a poor environment. Our family was so poor we never had a bathroom until my wife and I, well, I was able to do it just before we got married, get a job, put a bath in my parents' house. We didn't have water. Had an old well and got water from the well. No air condition. The windows is open and curtains fanning out the windows. You know how that was on hot days and mosquitoes and all. That's the environment we grew up in. Sharecroppers, picking cotton for the other man, putting in tobacco for the other man. That's, that's, that's where I came from. That's where I was. It was poor living. Now, I didn't know it because we'd kill a hog and have beef or, excuse me, have pork, ham, and we'd kill a cow and have beef. We did all that. So we had plenty to eat, carried my lunch to school in a, in a paper sack, the old brown bag. And carried milk to drink in a mayonnaise jar. We, it was called relish. They bought a little thing in a jar called relish. Some kind of relish. And take the jar and we'd be sent off to school with a little jar and some milk in it. Poor. Just poor people. And I've seen people back in those days come to church on the mule and wagon. We're talking about a while back now. But God has been good to this guy. And I'm going to stand here flat foot and tell you that I will not fail to give God the credit and the glory for it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be that weak just to back off and as someone would grin and say, well, you know how it is. It's just happened to be that way. I will tell people wherever I go, And whatever I do, that God played a part and he is the reason that I'm able to be here and do what I'm doing tonight. With the same wife, isn't she beautiful? Just look at her. She's a pretty woman. You guys better watch it. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, God, and I don't fail to to know that, that, that he is the one that has blessed me. And help me through the years. We have a house. We have a house. We have a nice little house to live in. We built it. Now I didn't tell you that we ha- had it built, hired it, done. Sometimes you say we build it, our house. Yeah, I, I did that and had the da 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 do all this. Not no, we built it. It took us fourteen months of hard labor, working every minute we had. And uh, scrapping up all the savings that we had. We had no retirement fund in the church. Preachers don't get retirement funds. If you don't have people that love you good enough to give something to you, you don't, you just suffer. But I had lots of people who just took, took money in my hand and put it in my pocket and, and just make sure that I, my needs were met. And so finally, I'm not ashamed to tell you, When it came time to retire and build that house, we paid for that house. Never borrowed one dime. Never had to get a loan. We paid for that. This poor boy that you're looking at right here this morning. 
Who do you think I'm going to give the glory for that and the honor for that? Who would I do it? Would I just pass it by and, and let people think, oh, he has inherited plenty of money and all that? That would be a fib. I give the credit to God. He gets the glory and he gets the honor for that. Now, I want to open a little package here. And let's look at that thing called an anchor. What is an anchor? In uh, the Bible, we can read in Hebrews, a very interesting scripture about that. Chapter 6, verse 19, it goes like this. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Now look at that real carefully with me. Which hope we have to the anchor of the soul. Now the anchor is a wonderful instrument. It has been used in many ways throughout the years. It has a, a natural side. It has a spiritual side. And I want us to look at the natural side and then we'll look at the spiritual side. On the natural side of that thing, anchors have been put to use ever since the history of man. It was somewhat invented by the sailors. Many, many years ago, the sailors that sailed the seas, you see the earth was two, the surface of the earth was two-thirds water. I guess it still is in all probability. I'm told that there's as much water on this planet as there was the day God made this planet. It just repositions itself by the sun. But there were needs for, for boats. There were needs that uh, had to be met by water. Shipping the goods. Merchants used the water for their merchandise. And also they used it for some people. But they discovered when storms came up, there was a fairly dangerous situation. They had uh, carpenters that did nothing but build boats. They just needed more boats than they could get. And, and they lost a lot of boats through crashes. The storms of life came and, and they lost many boats to the water, to the storm. You'll lose your life to one if you aren't careful. But they finally decided what they could do would be take a rock, tie a rope around that rock. And when the winds began to toss the boat around, they could drop that in there and it would, it would offer stability to the boat. It would just stabilize things considerably. And of course, when they used sails, they had no engines on these uh, boats like we have today. They had no other power. They went by the wind. And then there were days, as you will read in, in Acts about Paul, that the wind wouldn't be right to carry them where they wanted to go. So they had to wait. But in times of drift, in times of storm, when it looked like they couldn't be saved, they just dropped an anchor. They learned to stabilize things, and it made the life a little bit better for them, a little simpler. So that's the way the anchor got there. And it has been used from that day till this for boats and not just boats, for many other purposes. Let me tell you a few ways the old anchor has been used. We'll, we'll, I'm first going to 
just dig into this thing from the natural side, and then I'm going to spiritualize it and so show you something even more important. But on the natural side, if you want your life spared in a time of storm, there was a day you couldn't do any other thing but trust that anchor. That's what it was for. It's what it come to mean. However, as time went along, they found that to stabilize a lots of things, you could use an anchor. Not just boats. You could take this gadget and stabilize a lot of things, at least through the terminology that we're going to apply it to. Anchors stabilize whatever they're put to. Now, that pretty log house that she and I took 14 months to build. I just love to tell this. She stained every board in that house. Every single one of them, she stained them on the floor, on a saw buck, and then we put them up, just to help clarify that. But when it comes to what an anchor can do, (coughs) it will secure whatever you apply it to. If you apply it, you can secure something. That log house now, did you know it's anchored? That thing is so anchored down that they told us the engineer that designed it and helped us to work with it and, and cut the logs said, now it's, it's stable to 100 mile an hour winds. So our, our log house is anchored down, buddy. I put every one of them in, and I'll tell you what you can do. I can go around that house, and by every window and by every door, there's a rod that goes from the ceiling to the foundation, and it pulls that thing down. And they're every six feet all around that whole house, plus one by every window and every door. We went around there and tightened those bolts, tightened those bolts, and they would shrink a little. We'd tighten those bolts and tighten those bolts. It would shrink a little more. And the whole house is six inches shorter than it was when we finished it. That's the log house for you. It come down. And uh, we tied that baby down. So I don't worry as much about storms as some people do. Because I asked them, I said, has this, has this building ever been taken out in a hurricane? And you know what they said? Not to my knowledge. They said, we had one that floated away one time in a storm. We had to dismantle it and bring it back and put it back up. That's a pretty good record for anchors, wouldn't you say? And not all of that, hey, look, look at me. Our, our outhouse is anchored down. <laughs> we didn't want the wind to blow that thing away. Pretty strong winds around there sometime. Some of you got that. Our outhouse. We thought if you're going to have a log house, you need an outhouse. Of course, we have an in-house too. We have a bathroom. But put those rods around, build an old outhouse and put those rods around it. So when you come to see us and you're using the outhouse, if it comes up a wind, you just tough it. You remember the rhyme of the three little pigs? Yeah, you do. They went out and built their houses, the straw house and the brick house and, and sand, all the other weight materials they used. But old Mr. Bad Wolf, he came by and he said, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about doing. I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff until you, I blow your house in. 
And that's exactly what the devil is doing to people today. He will huff and he will puff until one way or another he destroys your life and you can't have and go and do and be what we've had and gone and done and been. Amen. So you see what I'm trying to do this morning is to, is to show us that it's not right to God. It doesn't treat God fair. It's not, it's not appropriate to God to, to just pass Him off as it just happened. No. Give God the glory for everything He does for Amen. you. And He'll do, do more before you, before you. So here we are. Giving God the credit for anchoring these things down. And you know what else we do to help us in time of storm? We, we anchor ourselves to our cars. Isn't that amazing? You crawl in that car and put that strap around you and you anchor yourself in there. So if it does hit a roll, take a tumble, that you'll be a little bit safer. And you won't go, be hopefully be hurt quite as bad. Airplanes. Man, we anchor all those things down, large ones and small ones. I remember when Hurricane Hazel came through back in, what, 53, 54? One of those years, Hurricane Hazel came through. And I had an airplane. I was 17 years old, and I had an airplane. I learned to fly at 16, and my dad helped me buy He loaned me the money to pay for my airplane when I just turned 17. Little Ronica Champ paid $350 for it. Boy, I'd like to have it back. Hurricane Hazel was coming, and I was going in a little worth business college there in Fedville, North Carolina, where I had enrolled. And I couldn't go to check on it, but finally I was able to slip away from where I was putting in some time to help do some things. I went down there and knew the storm was coming into Fedville, so I took that plane down and parked it in the best place I could, and I anchored that baby down. I mean, I really anchored that thing down. Hung blocks to the wings. Made it as stable as I could and went back to work. And finally, I was able to, after the storm passed, I got in the car and drove down there as quick as we could get down there. Some guys went with me. And they said she never budged. She just stood right there. She was anchored down pretty good. Lots of things have been anchored down. My mind's just whirling. I can think of something else that we anchor down to take care of it. What about that receipt where you made your last purchase? Maybe it was a big purchase and, and some tires like Ronnie was talking about. And you want to keep that receipt. You put that receipt on your desk and what do you do to it? Pardon me? That's right. You put a paper anchor on it. Sharp mind back there. You don't want to lose it. You have to keep your record safe. And the point is that all of these things that you're anchoring down today come from that first little idea that was had. But it saved a lot of lives. Now, what I want you to do is turn over one page. Just slip, turn over one page. And we're going to look at the back of that anchor. We're going to spiritualize it. The Bible tells us, in fact, I read it to you there just a few minutes ago. It says, now, talking about this anchor, it is called, the, in Hebrews chapter 6, the anchor of the soul. The anchor of the soul. Now, is a soul worth anchoring down? It, it, listen, 
A soul is the most valuable thing on the face of this earth. That thing that is breathed into man and he becomes a living soul, that's more valuable than anything. All the boats, all the planes, all the ships, all the houses, all the outhouses, everything, it's more valuable. The soul is so valuable that it has to have an anchor. Because let me tell you this much, the very mention of the word anchor is saying the storms will be there, but what will you do to make the best of those storms? How can you make the best out of them? There will be storms that will come through you, testing your, to you, testing your marriage, testing your position, your trust in God. I've had people to say, and you heard them too, I don't, sometimes I wonder if I'm even saved. And they would be a good Christian, dedicated Christian, dedicated saint of God. Committed to the Lord. But the devil would put them in such a storm and in such a trap that they would say, I wonder if I'm even saved. Had a one a lady to tell me that once upon a time. And I tell you right now, she was a dedicated, committed Christian. But that's what the devil will do to you. The soul of man will go through trials and tests. And whatever you do, whatever you do in your life down here, for God's sake, make sure that you know what it is that your soul is anchored. It's not just floating around out there like some kite. I saw, said to a young man just recently, I sometimes wish I could just go back and start over again. I see so many opportunities. But I said to a man in this town, not from this church, but a young man, I saw I was talking with him. And I knew things weren't right from the conversation. They were not going right for him. And I said to him, may I say just a few words to you? May I talk with you just for a minute before I leave? And he looked at me and he said, yes, yes, you can. And I said to him, young man, he's a 20-year-old. I said, young man, You're a handsome young guy. He was. Looked nice. Clean. Well kept. But see, I knew where he had gone. I knew what had taken place, what was taking place. So I looked at him and I said to him, you are a handsome young man. Handsome. And, of course, he gave me a little smile. And I said... You are a gifted young man, so gifted. You have many gifts, handsome, gifted, you're smart, you're smart, you're smart. And if you will listen to me, sir, if you will just listen to what I'm telling you, 
he, had admi- he said he admired me. The reason I'm sharing this with you. He had looked at me and said, I admire you. I know what you've done. I know who you are. And I admire you. But I looked at him and I said, I'll tell you something, sir. If you will listen to me, you can be what I am and have been and more. You will be blessed of God and you can, you can have the same favor and treatments that anybody has. If you'll just listen to me. Just listen. Do what I say. And I said, give your heart to look to God and live for him. And you can make it. And the last time I saw him, he turned his head and he slowly walked off like this. With his head down. And I said, Lord, let the gears turn in that man's heart. Let those gears spin. Teach him. Teach him. And teach him. I said that those same words to another young man a few years ago. Standing in our old church, I said it to a young man. Standing in that church, I don't. I do very little counseling. I just don't accept them because the pastor does that here. But once in a while, a situation arises where I'm going to speak. And I said the same thing to him. I've done it to many. Just like that. Pointed out. And it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. But now, let me show you something. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking on borrowed time. And somebody can listen to what I'm telling you. I don't have time to stop, start over again. But there are people here that do. The more, listen to me now, the more you stand up for Jesus, the more he will show up for you. Now that's a, that's a private slogan of mine. The more you will stand up for him, the more he will show up for you. Now I'm going to give you a little, I'm going to take one more page out of the history of my life. I've been a commercial pilot for years. I flew with the White Angel Fleet, and I've done a lot of flying with the Civil Air Patrol search and rescue. So flying with the White Angel Fleet, we had airplanes with loudspeakers on them, and we would fly over towns, and I'd, been down the Bahamas and all over the country, flying over cities, advertising the Lord Jesus Christ and revivals, announcing what was coming to town. So I was flying for the White Angel Fleet. I was leaving Greensboro, North Carolina, took off from Greensboro, North Carolina, flying to Charlotte to have a speaking system approved by the FAA, Federal Aviation. So I left Greensboro, took off from the airport at Greensboro. And, you know, Charlotte's not really that far. It's just a rather short distance from Greensboro to Charlotte. So I took off in that plane. 
And I think I was must have been around 7,000 feet for that short hop. And I'd been in the air just just a very few minutes. And uh, it was just like I run into a bale of hay. In fact, I t- I've, I've told this many times and always use that. I felt like that airplane had hit a bale of hay. It just shook just like that. And I was afraid the engine was going to shake off the plane. As quickly as I could, I shut the engine down. I had blown an engine. Uh, One of these rods on a spring that comes up and the piston hit it, slapped a hole through the piston. What do you think that did to that plane? And there I am sitting up there at about 7,000 feet and no engine. And now I'm going to tell you what happened. It didn't bother me. I'm sounding like Ronnie Rose. He's a character. I sat up, I was sitting there in that airplane and I thought, I gotta land this baby. We gotta go down, honey. Not, not excited, just gotta do it. All there is to it, we can't stay up here much longer. And real calmly and collectively, I started, where am I going? Started looking around, seeing if I could find a big field or a highway with no power lines, no cars. I just looked things over. And I looked up ahead and I thought, that's a Statesville airport. Hmm. That's Statesville. I can, I can glide that far. So I put that baby, I stretched that glide, boy. I mean, I put her in the best glide I could get out of her. And now she's riding smooth because you don't have that engine shaking up there out of whack like that. Set that thing down on the ground. Picked up the phone, called Greensboro. I said, come and get me. Blew an engine. And then it hit me. What in the world do you think happened that day to me when I was sitting up there and no engine, that thing quit? How could I be so comfortable? A storm? Yes. Anchor? Positively, yes. Because my pilot, King Jesus, was riding right there with me. I had stood up for him, and now he is showing up for me. And he'll do it every time. Of course, I could, I could dig into my life and, and show you a lot of stuff like that. Well, let me take you into the Apostle Paul's life. Boy, I'll tell you, I love the Lord. I love him with all my heart. And here's Paul, and he's uh, on his way, but he's, he's before the council now, I see in council, and, and they're trying him for preaching the gospel, and, and he is uh, uh, in a tight spot for preaching the gospel. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says they would have taken him and pulled him apart piece by piece. Now, they've got to be pretty mad with you to do that, Right? I've had people mad with me. I don't think I've had anybody that mad with me. Thank the Lord. But the Bible says they would have pulled him apart piece by piece. Paul went to bed, went to sleep. 
And the Lord stood by him. The Lord said, Have no fear, Paul. Acts 23. Have no fear, Paul. Everything's going to be all right. You see, Paul had stood up for Jesus all the time, preached his word. And now Jesus is coming to his rescue. And he gives him comfort and says, that's okay. Don't you worry about it. I'll take care of you. I'll make it okay. And you know the rest of the story from there. Well, you go on down to Acts chapter 27, as I recall. And Paul was uh, in a ship. He was going to Rome, Italy. And they were taking him there along with 249 prisoners, two or 300 prisoners that were with him. And they were in this ship, and they had this shipwreck. And scripture, the way Scripture puts it, the way the Bible puts it, it must have been a pretty bad situation. It must have been a pretty bad wreck. The wind and the storm and the anchors didn't, says that they put down several anchors, and, and the anchors weren't quite enough to stabilize it, and it's still wrecked. But Paul, once again, he had stood up for Jesus. He had stood up for Jesus. He had stood up for Jesus. And because he stood up for Jesus, Jesus showed up for him. And that night, there he was, asleep. And he said, and the Lord sent an angel that stood by me. And he said, Paul, it's okay. Nobody's going to lose their life if you just listen. Nobody will lose their life. The boat's going to be lost, but you won't lose your life. You're going to be okay. Brother, if that wouldn't calm your storm, I don't know what it would take to calm your storm. Stand up for Jesus, and he'll show up for you. And now we're talking about that anchor now. You see, the, the, the anchor of the soul is not... Uh, like this anchor on the natural side. The spiritual anchor takes a little different study than that. This anchor, the anchor of the soul, is our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, get that. Hang on to that. Hold tight to that. Whatever you do, hold tight to this right here. Anchor means your hope and trust in Jesus. That's your anchor. Listen, didn't say that Jesus is the anchor. Don't, don't do that. It's your hope in Jesus. It's, it's, it's the hope and the belief and the confidence that you have that Jesus will help you. See? It's our faith in Christ. It's our hope in Christ. It's our giving God, giving Jesus Christ the credit for everything he deserves and everything he means to us. That's what it is. It's your anchor. It's your hope and trust in God. Now, here's what you got to do, folks. Here's what you got to do. Listen, listen to me. Here's what you got to do. You cannot lose your faith. You must keep your hope and your trust that Jesus Christ will be with you in any storm in life, anything that happens to you, your anchor in believing in the Lord Jesus Christ will cause him to stand up for you. Thank you. It'll cause him to stand up for you. He'll stand up for you. 
Now, here's a habit. I, I, see, I'll, I'll give you some of my secrets. They're not secrets, really. They don't, they're secret only in a sense that I don't advertise them publicly. You become a show-off, and I, I sure don't want to do that. But once in a while in a setting like this, you use it as an example, I suppose. But here is my, what I do, what I do, what I do, what makes me work, what has made me work, what has put us where we are. I'm giving you the solution. I'm giving you the answer. I'm telling you how it came to be that way. It's because I held to that anchor, Jesus Christ, and I believed and and, and walked in faith, and I still do. But watch this. You go into a doctor's office. Now, listen carefully to me. You go into a doctor's office and the doctor checks you over and he does what he thinks needs to be done for your health. And you get ready to walk out of the door. Here's what I do. Every time, every time, every time, here's what I do. I get ready to walk out the door. I say, thank God and thank you too, sir. Now you try that out. I'm talking about if you stand up for him, he'll show up for you. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle. Making that anchor a lifestyle and letting everybody know that you trust in Jesus Christ. And he's the one that gets the honor and the glory. So the first one I think is God. I think I have an eye doctor that my eyes are not what they used to be. And, and every time this doctor finishes my eyes, I say, thank God and thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You're in a restaurant and uh, you get a real good steak. So I was talking about steak earlier. And you really enjoy it, and they did a good job. Look, there's not a thing in the world wrong with saying, thank God and thank you for this good steak. I may not always do that to a, in, a, in a restaurant, but any service, you get those tires and they, they run good on that car, thank God and thank you, sir, for putting them on there. You can do that. I'll tell you one thing you'll experience in life. i got 30 more minutes. Thank you. When you do get old and feeble, like that old song, when I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. Remember that song? When I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me and my voice. And when you get feeble and weak, then you cry, stand by me. That's that old song, stand by me. When I'm going through storms and chilly waters, stand by me. Stand by me. And if we have done that to him, if we have stood by him and not let him down, allow him to get the credit. You remember when I opened the door to this subject tonight? We were talking about the, the, the anchor and who gets the credit for it. Give God the glory. Give God the honor. You may say, well, I paid for that with my own money. Not without his help, you didn't. You pay the last note out on your car, on your car. Say, I thank God, and thank the bank or whoever. 
always, always give God the glory. That's the story of the anchor. Because that anchor, when you look at it, what that anchor is telling me right now, that I'm going to go through a storm. Anchors are to protect you in storms. Anchors are to protect you in trouble. It may not deliver you from the trouble, but it will make life easier for you in the trouble. See? It'll make life's journey a little better. And someday, when you come to the end and time is spent and it's ready for you to go because you've done it. He's going to send an angel down. He's going to send an angel down. And I read the other day where Billy Graham said angels are pallbearers. Isn't that a neat idea? I thought it was a great idea. Billy Graham in his book, Angels, calls them pallbearers. He said, you live right. You're a Christian. You give your heart to the Lord. And after you give your heart to the Lord, when you die, the angel of the Lord comes. And he takes that soul and he carries it back to God. Where it will be forever in the eternal presence of God. Yes, whatever you do, friend. Remember these words of mine today. Whatever you do, don't forget the anchor and set it down strong. Testify, witness, give the glory, give the credit, give the honor to God and he'll be right there in time of need. I would like for you to stand with me. That's from my heart to your heart. From my heart to your heart, live for Jesus. You won't regret it. I've preached a lot of funerals in my day, hundreds, hundreds of them. And I have never yet met a person on their dying bed that regretted standing for Jesus. It pays. It always pays. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and if you don't do it, ask the Lord to help you. Give Him credit for everything, every good thing. All good comes from God. Every good gift comes from God and give Him the credit. Give Him the praise. Give Him the glory. That's the way you anchor. You anchor your life in Jesus. You anchor your life in His Word. Believe it. Trust it. Ask Him to do it. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you, blessed Lord, for allowing me these few minutes tonight, today, to stand here and pour my soul out, pour my heart out. For I know the troubles of life, I know the storms, I know the damage they cause, I know the heartaches and sorrows that are here in this world, and it's getting worse all the time, and the storms will keep raging. And only if we keep our anchor firmly planted, 
Oh God, only as we keep that anchor strong in the Lord will we be brought through. And in the final end, hear those words. Welcome. Welcome. So speak to the hearts. Open our minds. Let us live, love, and understand. Walk holy and godly before you. Being sacred and serious in our service before you. And thank you, Lord, for the great reward we will get for doing it. I ask it in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. I love you. You love me? Yes. I love you too.